Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Welcome back to the Keen Late Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hi, this is Jake, your host, coming live from Lake View East, Chicago, Illinois, in the brand new Keen the Lake International Recording Studios, a.k.a. my basement. <laughs> that little giggle right there is <laughs> from a charming Scotsman named Callum O'Donnell. I'm back. Keen Lake Studio is my favorite place on planet Earth. Did you go somewhere? Um, I went to Tennessee, actually, last week. Oh, you weekend. went to Nashville, that's yeah, right. I went to Nashville. Uh, has anyone been to, I'm sure you guys have all been to Nashville. Unbelievable. It's, Can't wait to go back. It's definitely back. It is. Mass, but it was mass seriously not, back. Mass not wanted or required. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'll tell a story about that in a bit. But oh my God, it was absolutely incredible. Can't wait to go back. Well, we have a special recording this afternoon with three people hanging out in my basement, staring at me very awkwardly. I can't wait. The anticipation is killing me. We're here to talk about Sagamore Spirit and a couple barrel pick releases from the one and only Leo's in Mayfair. But along with us, before we get to those great Sagamore folks, we have Chris Blantner, the Urban Bourbonist, along with us this afternoon. Thank you guys for having me as always. Good to be back. Sunday Night Fights, everybody. DM about it. Where is it? Um, yeah, and along with us too, we have Jess and Brett from Sagamore, who have been on the podcast multiple times. Brett probably too many times, um, but he's a fan favorite. Everyone always asks for him. He, they love the pictures they get of him, the candid shots. We're going to be doing a one-on-one photo shoot in the extra bedroom of my condo after this recording, so everybody hold on to that. Good Bre- afternoon. Thanks for having us. You might need to talk into the microphone. That was the best I could do. Let, let, let the lady talk first, <laughs> Brett. I thought I was letting him talk. Oh! <laughs> ding, ding, ding. There's your... Tuesday night fight, oh, actually. Man, yeah. I forgot he signs my paychecks. So I should be it a is? little bit nicer. <laughs> you sign paychecks? Oh, man. Well, um, no, but Justin Brett, thank you for being here with us this afternoon. Glad we could talk about a couple barrel picks you have coming out in the, or already out in the Chicagoland area. And for people across the country that aren't from Chicago to possibly get some olive oil delivered to their house. It, it can happen. Yeah. Special <laughs> delivery. Just, just Beard oil, olive oil, perfume. We love I it. prefer collectibles these days. Yes, that's the that's the key. Collectible. <laughs> collectibles. I put Star Wars stickers on my boxes now. Star Wars, not Star Wars, but Star Wars. Then I'm like, wait, they probably think this is some kind of like code for drugs in the boxes. Maybe I should stop doing this. <laughs> well, what I do know is there is a robust cold brew coffee yeah? uh, business operating out of the West Loop these days. Well, you know, my local <laughs> UPS did ask me because I go there quite often with these packages, multiple packages at a time. They're like, what do you do? I'm like, ah, oh, I work for a cold brew company. And they're like, really? They're like, do, like, you, do you work for that same one? At <laughs> Wait, there seems to be a lot going on here. You guys really coordinate. Yeah, so we just started it from our apartments over the pandemic, and here we go. It's taken off. We're the next Steve Jobs. Yep. And Steve Wozniak? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Both, yeah. both, both, both work. Yeah, all right, great, great. Well, um, what do we have here today, Brett? Well, we'll let Jess actually talk about it because I was there when Leo's picked it. <laughs> yep. Well, we. See where? What do we have total? Um, five barrel selects for Three Illinois. Yeah. Okay. So we we went in with four samples to um, the lovely Kush and Ken up at Leo's in Mayfair, and Chris was joining us. You popped in for a hot minute, and yeah, we got to just taste out four separate barrels, and we narrowed it down to the two that we brought in for you guys today. Two very very different. Flavor notes, different aromas that come through, but they're the same mash bill, just two different places in our rickhouse. So it's really phenomenal when you can taste two barrel selects side by side from the same like area, mm-hmm. same you know age statement and whatnot. So it, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on how we, well, how Chris came up with some of these fun little mm-hmm. stickers, lines, and whatnot for them. 
but yeah, that's, I mean, Brad, our Barrel Select, if you want to talk a little bit about that, because you're the, the master of all things Barrel Select. Right, because they aren't really true <laughs> single barrels, is that right? Correct, it's a blend, yeah. Right, everything we do at the whole distillery is, has been described on this podcast apparently too many times. No. Is, <laughs> is, is, a, is a blend of a uh, oh. high rye and a low rye. So um, our high rye is very traditional, 95 rye, 5 barley. Um, and then the low rye is very exclusive to us. Called our barely legal, a fifty-two rye, forty-three corn, five barley. Cool. Distilled and aged separately. We've tried them combined. That we just don't get the layers and the complexity and and the flavors that we do doing this. They're doing it this way. Corn ages differently than rye. They they adapt to the climate, the flora fauna different. And and we've challenged our team because it's it's a confusing thing to to discuss sometimes. And and I want to lean into it with confidence versus shy from it. And so I've had some very long discussions with our team on it. And they're like, trust us, we've. We've done it this way, that way, and the other way, and this is the best way. You'd think we'd have more um, or less rye than a dad's hat or something because we have that Maryland style, that sweeter profile. We actually have more. Mm. Um, but by doing them separately and bringing them together, it, it gets us to, to the taste profile that people have come to, to know from Sagamore. And, and for our Barrel Select program, it's no different. Yeah. Um, in fact, we really leaned into it for our very first Barrel Select program back in, I want to say, 18. It was a 95 proof. But the customer got to choose their blend. Oh. Um, 90, 90, 10, 80, 20, 70, 30, 60, 40. Did you bring in different samples of each? Yep. Cool. So we brought in samples, blended samples to okay. those degrees. But, but not then, like a, not different barrels or. No, it was the same barrels cut cut to that percentage in a 200 ml. Okay. And then we had like someone in Julio's in Massachusetts who ended up taking four and made their own. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, cool. Yeah, that's yeah, that. Kind of fun combination. Yeah, yeah. But. Um, what what turned out was something like 85 90% of them all came out as our house blend huh. our proprietary house blend <laughs> like right at it like it was just So it's like, meant to be like a bespoke kind of style of barrel pick Yeah just it our team knows what tastes best right. so it was like we you want to do somebody in Indiana somebody did just a low rye which was kind of fun but we we don't offer that anymore but you know people would pick one of the the four and it just money picked what was what we were usually doing. So then we decided to change the program huh. to uh, the 110 proof and then more like a traditional single barrel program where the high and the low are, are blended 80%, 20%, selected only for these accounts. Like there's no repeat. The rest gets dumped into mass. Gotcha. Um, and then let people taste through it at that same 80-20. But there was more variety and a little bit difference in taste profiles versus the difference between the high and the low. Um, mash bills. So, Jess, on any given time, how much, how many samples do you have on hand for barrel selects? Oh, they're in high demand right now. Right, right. <laughs> right now, I'm fighting with Texas. Team Texas. Hey, I have the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> Texas. Well, Texas is uh, crushing it with the barrel selects. So, yeah. you know, but they also have the space and, you know, a lot of whiskey clubs down there. <gasps> so, it, <laughs> it just depends yeah, how many we can get allocated. But normally, I will request a minimum of four okay. to take into an account. Sometimes, if we're lucky and, you know, we get the the peak of it it's it's four like four to six right right now because we've got such a limited number of them four is like the max that, that max right how many now. have you sold yeah. up to this point in what we're june now june one me personally three. Oh, nice um i think you've gotten we did a couple the binnies were the first of this year right or the end of last year okay. those were end of last year yeah um we have potentially two more i think we're going to be able to to kind of land here in illinois which we have 
our eyes on a couple of places that we have bookmarked. So nice. hopefully we can get those locked and loaded before Texas steals them. Just let me know if you need to come and follow <laughs> yes, up. Yes, you're my good luck, Charlie. You. Everywhere yeah. I go, I turn around. I go to GNS and oh, I turn I around. and There he is. There he is. <laughs> the Star Ward. No, yeah. it's great. It's it's good to see the community rock. Yeah, it's cool. So. I think it's something I wanted to pick too with us as market managers, ambassadors, whatever you want to call our titles that we do see each other so oftenly. And in the same day, you sold two barrels, I sold a barrel at the same account. And it's pretty neat to see how all of us can collide together, still work, and show that there is space out there for everybody to grow together. Oh, it's awesome. There's so much good stuff out there on the shelf. And, you know, it's great that we have so many localized, you know, reps for mm-hmm. lack of a better term because yeah. a lot of cities don't i know brett deals with a lot with the midwest and you know you don't have somebody who's designated in your like in kentucky even which you would think we'd have you know a body there <laughs> yeah, but right. it's it, it's rare to have a city with so many people that are actually physically here because we can do more things we can do podcasts we can do events mm-hmm. we can hopefully start to do more stuff in person and it just gets that new brand awareness so people start seeing brands that they you know see on the shelf but now they can actually talk to somebody about it instead of just keep walking by it hopefully one day you can enter the market again (laughs) (laughs) we'll see remains to be seen uh jake and i were actually talking about that the other day um you know there's definitely sometimes i think that in the whiskey community we get this feeling that like we're all fighting for the same consumer Mm. you know but like you said there's so much great whiskey on the shelf and that was what i was saying jake i was like there's so much love to go around like people aren't just People aren't nowadays, they're not just buying one whiskey and sticking oh, with it, you know. Yeah. They're willing to mix and match and buy things and sometimes buy three, four different brands on the same day. So that that's also yeah. a nice fight, a nice part of it that I don't feel like we're fighting each other, right? We we all turn up and we're all looking for business from a, a, oh, a customer and there's plenty to go around, right? Yeah, and that's, you know, I'll, I'll be at fests or tastings and have people like, oh, I'm not really a big rye fan or, you know, they'll taste our product or, you know, they'll mention a few things that they like and then I'm able to recommend or be like, oh, well, if you're a scotch drinker, try this scotch because mm-hmm. I've had your scotch yeah. before and, you know, I've had what Star Wars makes it a little bit different of an Australian whiskey. So, you know, we're all kind of like second tier ambassadors for everybody else's <laughs> because like you said, everything's not, not everybody's going to love everything, but it's, it's a good way to kind of get get it into people's hands and get those conversations talking. Right. That's a good way of putting it too. second tier ambassadors for each other. It (laughs) definitely is. Like even I walked into account last week and I was like, Oh, you've loved my friends. Uh, whiskey's on the shelf i think ours would fit in here well too he's like oh all right well, who's your distributor and that was like the, <laughs> that was like the end of the conversation pretty much i've done that too i've yeah. been like oh i see star Wars. i see i'm like your clientele that's looking for that will definitely love yep. our stuff too and they're like oh you, you know, and just the fact that we are aware of what other brands are doing yeah. too mm-hmm. you know it's the whole thing know your industry and know your business so if if i had kind of you know blinders on of only sagamore only this it, it wouldn't make it as alluring to buyers to have me come in and say, I know that these four bottles, the consumers will also love ours, put it on the shelf, let me taste it out, and you'll see what I mean. And, right. and it's a very successful way of doing it. Yeah, It's a great way, great way of putting it. Brett, did you have something to say? Yeah, I was going to say, you also see it with barrel picks. You know, not only one store, like, hey, I like Chris's um, palate. So any pick mm. he's got his hands on, I need to try. But then it's also like, you know what, I really like that Star Wars from from one store now i want to try starward from the other store then the other store and it, <laughs> it you know what i mean it gets to where you have three or four next to each other by brand and mm-hmm. then also by store pick because you like a person's palette yeah and that person might just for you some trust reason their right you just well, trust them so it's a hey, barrel pick sign me up anything from 50 to 100 bucks i'm in for two mm-hmm. and and 
you know, until further notice. Yeah, I agree. No, Chris, how'd you come in? T- I think we've talked about it before on the podcast, but it's probably been a few months how you came into play with helping Leo's pick the barrels they select. Oh, that was just through striking up a conversation with Kush, uh, one of the former um, proprietors of, of Leo's, just going in there on a Saturday morning whiskey hunt and striking up a conversation with him, asking him if the store was interested in doing store picks. And he said, yeah, we're interested. We, we've done one, but we're really not sure what else, where else to go, what else to pick. And I said, well, you don't. I know someone that might do it. Yeah, it's it's pretty much exactly what I said. I have an idea of someone that might be interested in that. He's currently in the cold brewing industry. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it just, it kind of went from there. We had conversations about uh, different brands um, that he thought were popular, that people were asking about. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just kind of went from there. And I don't know, we've picked... I don't even know how many barrels at this point, but it's a lot. And what's funny is is um, what tends to happen at Leo's is we don't pick just one when someone comes in. We end up with two barrels. I think we've done that like three times, uh, intending to just uh, you know pick one barrel from a particular brand or company, and we end up picking uh, two because yeah. we really like to. And and Leo's is is like, well, let's take two. So. It, it really works out. Yeah, definitely. I it's I admire that. <laughs> and I hope you guys can pick up two. I mean, it it would have been really hard to narrow it down to just one because these are just yeah, so phenomenal. Yeah, these are really and great. No, I, yeah, it was great tasting. And it was one of those things where we had four, and you know, we, I think we started out with the first two. Were the the other two we didn't pick were the first two we started, yes. and it was just it was clear as day that those mm. were just not even in the contending of the two because they were they were good but right. like there was just something about these two particular barrels that just stood out so you know i think they were kind of on the fence i don't think they wanted to do two <laughs> <laughs> i think he was just in love with both of them so much that, i think kush you know, wanted two yeah. not sure if ken wanted yeah. well, two <laughs> I think, uh, yeah i think when i left that night it wasn't one was locked down yes. and i think the other one was like we we're gonna consider it yeah and then I think I might have talked to you like a couple days later, Jess, and said, did they take the second one? And you're like, yeah, they, yeah, they sure did. the second one. So was this the first barrel pick that they did this year? This, yes. I think that these was are the... Late February, early March? It was... Uh, I didn't write down the I think date, it was but, early March, yeah. if I remember right. So we're recording on June 1st today. Um, kind of shows you the turnaround speed, which is a great turnaround t- amount of time for you guys to get barrels out into the uh, market in less than three months really because i think it was like i want to say it was like march yeah. 5th or something along those lines well our process no, it was way earlier than that yeah we get our samples um hopefully you know the allocation samples that we can and then you know from picking them we submit our labels that they do personalize their labels get that taken care of and then we we tell the the account it's anywhere from six to eight weeks so their turnaround town of them getting our barrels i mean they're on it these guys mm. are machines out of the distillery the types of speed that they pull all of our samples and how they get things going and it's just it's it's great but yeah i've heard some some brands are like it's going to take you six months to get a barrel pick so when you start hearing things like that out about you know it it kind of gives us that little like oh well okay i guess we are on track Mm because you know we're also impatient so we want it fast so i thought six to eight weeks was a long time but then hearing other brands and stuff that it is six months to sometimes even a year it's like ooh. I guess we're doing we're right. on the right scale of, yeah. 
anticipation. So. Remember even the day you guys were selecting them, how quickly you said it was turned around. Obviously for us coming across the world, it's a little bit slower. Yeah. And the whole Suez <laughs> Canal situation didn't help oh, speed no. things up. No. Um, yeah, but it was uh, it was really cool trying both. We tried four samples that day, I believe. Yep. yep. So we had um, four up there. Yeah. So it's kind of just did a, uh, what we've been alluding to. Jess was in the, in Leo's with Chris and the owners of Leo's giving her store picks and then they had organized mine afterward but didn't tell either one of us um and i was a little bit early i guess yep. but and then i walked <laughs> in with my barrel picks and i'm like she's like what you doing i'm like i'm here to say how barrel picks she's like i'm already doing it so come on and join along but i don't know if my opinion really counted at all but these were two of my favorites and uh chris and i usually have similar tasting notes yes. when it comes to things and i remember the soda the soda what do you call it soda pop soda, soda, shop. Shop. soda shop that was one we were both like yeah all over it together on that one. Yeah. So it's really cool. Then Jess stayed and helped uh, give notes on our barrel picks as well that they decided to choose a little bit later. Um, yeah, so it's always a fun time when you can hang out with good people and drink whiskey and select barrels and then Absolutely. have them come around really quickly. But I think it was the end of, beginning of March. If I, I, I don't remember exactly. I think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I, I remember it was because Ken had told me to come by because they were just starting to pick barrels again, and I know they wanted to hit, what, like 2025 this year or something like that? Yeah, and I, yeah. These, these are the only well the starward one of course but that that'll be this fall that uh, that comes in and it delayed um, the taking of yeah. that one and then um these two are the only other two that we've picked so far this year so i guess if we're going to pick 25 we need to oh we need to get moving right <laughs> go in there with an apple hour the first one ever can you imagine <laughs> I think it might sell out very fast. Just a little bit. Mm, mm. Might sell out more than Carlo Ancelotti. Well, mm, I mean, he's a big seller these days. Shots firing. Snake. Uh, Snake. One of the things I was going to say that I find really, really interesting, and I think it's one of the beauties of whiskey in general, is that you were saying that this is the exact same mash bill, mm. same, you know, uh, like same age statement, everything. The only difference really is the specific barrel that it was put into mm-hmm. and the place it was in the Rick House. Um, so can you talk a little bit to that like when was the first time that you sort of started seeing the big difference there and is that something that everybody's commented on like everybody can notice a massive difference between the four samples that you had I mean I, the, as far as the difference go I mean they're subtle but they're there yeah. I mean it's not like you're going to say oh this one's you know this one's more XYZ but it's it's all a matter of palate um, yeah. I mean Brett I know you've been doing tastings with barrel samples out in the market and stuff too if you heard any feedback that people yeah, I mean, they, I think these are both actually really different, um, vastly, which, again, it's just, as, as any whiskey, uh, aging, flora, fauna, you know, heat, what's saw, where in the rickhouse, um, then how the things come together. Uh, you know, they vary. And I've had some where, you know, two or three were pretty similar. And then I've had some where these, like these two just were. Just vastly different. They're, I think they're really different. Yeah, totally. I mean, obviously related, but. The one is has got so many more. Um, which one is this? A candy apple, really well named. A lot more fruit there. We're drinking candy apple first, right? Yep. Yeah. I cheated and went through to both. <laughs> well, I just wanted to make sure because off the nose, it's candy apple, but I do find a little bit of soda quality that probably is more psychosomatic than anything. But looking at the label, um, but it's hard candy apple right off the nose. Oh, the nose is pure. I get like sour caramel apple yep. on the nose on. And the candy apple bottle. And these were 
words and expressions you were using while picking the barrel that day. So it's cool to bring that into the sticker that's now on the back of the bottle. Yes. Um, now in stores and available, if we haven't mentioned that already. Yes, in stores at Leo's and available. And it can ship with a cold brew label on the box <laughs> if how, people uh, are interested. How rare is six-year-old for you guys as a young company? So believe it or not, most of these, um, the youngest out there is six. Oh, but okay. a lot of these have actually hit seven years. Oh, oh really? And most of what we're going to use in uh, cast strength moving forward will be seven years. And yep. so it'll be a blend of seven for the high rye and mm-hmm. four for the low rye. Uh, we're not there yet, but but really close. So yeah. six is what we have to go with um, just because there are some six out there. Yeah. Mm. So when you do all the, the TTB stuff. Mm-hmm. But these particular ones, I think, hit seven years. I want to say January and maybe May of <laughs> 13 or, four, or 14, depending on which, 14, I think. Okay. Um, so, rare, I mean, it's what we're using for our Barrel Select program and, and now for cast strength moving forward pretty soon as we come into our own juice here soon. Um, but, um, yeah, but a lot, a lot of our stuff's getting getting to, to, to age out pretty well. Great. And was that a part of the anticipation of the brand developing a single barrel program with older bo- older uh, barrels? Um, or is it kind of more how the popularity has grown over the last five, six years of crafting single barrel or selling single barrels. Yeah. I think they just kind of hit at the same time. Yeah. You know, with, with, with what we have, what we have aging, what was contracted through MGP. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some pretty aggressive targets um, when we, when we began as a company and uh, while we're doing very well, we're not quite to them. So some of our right. stuff has, has aged. Um, and, and that has worked out well, um, you know, did now allow us to, to have some seven year old stuff as our barrel select and, and, and our high and our cast strength pretty soon here. And, and our team really thinks that rye peaks at four to seven, mm-hmm. not that it's gets any worse after seven, but there's some diminishing returns there and it's, you're going to lose some whiskey and the quality's not going to change. Unlike a bourbon where more often I think bourbon continues to grow at that 10 year mark into that 12 year mark scotch. We, we all know, you know. Um, takes and, a little longer and then, yeah, and have hopefully tried some older ones. I personally like about 18 is my cutoff. Um, except for Anoch, I like their 22 and 24, but, um, I don't even start till 27. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, it just kind of worked out that way is that we're hitting these right in a sweet spot where, where we think rye, rye sweet spot is. And then, and what we've turned into the barrel select. Hmm. Were those whiskeys that you guys were, I know kind of, you weren't necessarily contracting the, the barrels from MGP, but contracting more of the space to use to make your whiskey. Is that correct? All the juice was contract distilled through yeah, MGP. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought you guys were using their machines as much as you were picking barrels out from them that were already produced. No, it's, they made for us. Okay. Yeah. And then that's well, what I meant. Yeah. Like you guys contracted out this mash bill. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then aged some aged in MGP and then, and, and then different points of everybody's lifestyle, life, time aging period have made it to maryland okay um shortly we will have no more barrels at mgp oh wow we just uh opened up our third rick house in maryland which, yeah which is a doozy i think it's forty thousand capacity right Whoa. right around wow and um, we'll then take whatever's left in indiana and and throw that into in everything will then be in maryland wow good for you I, guys i miss being in rick houses the last one we were in was in Wisconsin and there was something magical about them, man. And that, and I think that's one of the reasons as well I was saying to you, Jess, like, you know, having, like, sort of visualizing the barrel there in, like, its own specific part of the warehouse. 
Oh, wow. So there's that's even a full the, um, of it. Yeah. So there's a, you feel free to scroll on that one. That's a whole Sagware album. So there's nothing. I'm always scared about scrolling on people's <laughs> iPhones, eh? That's why I, I said it's like, its own <laughs> folder. So you're good. <laughs> oh, perfect. So I can go wild. I can go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> scary ones. <laughs> so that, um, the really tall one with the yellow and red racks, that is our, those are the farmhouse, um, or not the farm, I'm sorry. Those are our traditional aging barns that we have with the three total. Oh. And then, um, we have our barrel select aging barn that we have at the actual Sagamore Farms. Yeah. So those two different locations, um, but it's it's breathtaking when you walk in. It's so high and it's like it's so organized, and then you have all of the experimental barrels on the floor that they're like just keep walking, don't read right, the labels, right, we don't know right, what this right, is going right, to be okay. yet. Just you saw nothing, keep going. This might be but, taking it too far, uh, but I get like a church vibe when I'm in oh, them. Yeah, it's they, something like, you know. and I think it's the pews. Like you know the rows mm. and the columns yeah. and the wood and oh, it's just like so I was a yeah. I went to church every week for until I was sixteen and then my mum let me decide and I was like hell no, <laughs> um, but up until that time you know I remember walking into the church and there's like this kind of this like this kind of calming silence yeah and that's like we the last time we were in one I remember walking in and it's like the wood obviously echoes and there's like that kind of creakiness to it but then there's the rows and the columns of everything and it's mm, it's got it's that so religious great. feel. And just like thinking, when you said, you know, same mash bill, same age statement, just different parts of the rickhouse, yeah. I got that feeling where I was like, it's almost religious, right? You're oh, like, oh, I want to, I want to be there. I want to see it. Like, and then you top it off with the aroma. Yeah. Um, just smell. like, it's just in the air and you feel like you leave, like you just put a little bit behind your ears when you're walking. Out. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it, yeah. It sticks with you all day. Yeah. Like just the, the whole, it's, it's a wonderful experience. So if you guys are ever up in Maryland, you got to go check it out. So Brett's invite, invited us a few times. <laughs> That's our, ne That's our next Keenan Lake podcast. Road yes. trip. Yes. Road trip. For Penny Proof next year. I think even the aesthetic <laughs> foundation of a church and a rickhouse are the same with the A-frame. You mm -hmm. know, it has a lot of that similarity to it built in just to the foundation of the two different buildings. But I agree completely. There is something, I would say magical. When I worked at a distillery here in Chicago, I worked in the office, but I spent half my day out in the distillery, just running around and answering emails on my phone, or talking, taking calls my phone on my phone out there, or just talking to our distillers and learning about how we make our spirits on a daily basis. I wanted to be out there more than I would ever want to sit in an office yeah, for and, obvious reasons. And that's what I'm saying. Like I didn't want to take it too far and say no, it like it's a religious experience, but. It's profound. It, 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 and, you know, even we were, the first one we went to in Wisconsin was a, you know, it was like a, it was like a beam rick house, right? It was yeah, very, yeah. Very, open very air, style, yeah. And then we went to another one that was completely different, a barn, right? Literally. But it still had that feel, you know, like that mm. kind of like, it was almost like we we're about to begin like some kind of seance. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we're like, okay, in here, we'll, we'll make the wood absorb. There's juices know? in there to make you convinced to do wondrous things. Yeah. <laughs> this is a miracle. <laughs> Everybody join hands. <laughs> um, should we talk about these individual bottles? I think a little more. For so we started off with uh, the candy apple. We did, yes, the candy apple. These are great. Nice job, guys. Mm. Is this your first time having them, Brett? I believe, yeah, because mm -hmm. yeah, with our samples this year, we kind of just you get four, you get four, right. you get four. There was no like you know picking and choosing the actual barrel numbers. Uh -huh. So you know. We never really even got to touch them until we sat down and cracked them open at Leo. So it was just, it was a whole new experience for me, too. I didn't oh, get so to that was your them. first time tasting yeah. them as well? Oh, yeah. great. That's really I like cool. when I get the samples, I don't want, you know, I try to keep them as pure as possible, 
We crack them open together so that way we can all experience those flavor notes. Yeah. So I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to put any words into your mouth yeah. or your taste. Because sometimes when you hear like, oh, this tastes like chocolate. And you're oh, like, oh, sure. yeah, it tastes like chocolate. For sure. But if you are tasting it for the first time, then you get to decide whether that's chocolate or right. maybe that's cinnamon for you. Or, you know, it's I, that's that subliminal advertising mm-hmm. that works very, very well. You don't and I try the buyer at yeah, all. Yeah. And I really try to step back and just let them make their own flavor decisions on that too. Yeah, I think it's a great Because everybody's idea. different. Everybody's got their own palate. Yeah, so. I, did, I did a tasting um, about two weeks ago. with a, It was a barrel pick with 40 people that were choosing one barrel at the end of the day. <laughs> so it was a lot was of different people. Yeah, the Delilah's yeah. one. And Mike asked for all the notes on the barrels and sent it out to people beforehand. And I was really hoping a lot of people didn't look at the email. Mm. And he sent out pretty pretty short notice to when the um, actual tasting took place. So I was really hoping people wouldn't come in with any influences in their head about mm-hmm. what this barrel tastes like, what this oak versus French and American oak could do to the palate and do to their mind when it comes to selecting these barrels. But I don't think people did because there was such a wide difference between... <laughs> There was two that stood out for sure, but even then it was like a 60-40 split, and then the number two picks were like way different from one another. And then one guy was like at a way, way left field where nobody liked that one that much, and he was like, it's his favorite. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm guessing people didn't. There's really, always one. Yeah, I know. It, it, I only say it because he's a buddy of mine, and he, he picked the one. It was actually sold already, too. Oh yeah, it, it got sold by the time we gave Mike the samples, and <laughs> That's what wasn't said. supposed to be sold. But yeah, it's, it can be a mess sometimes. Mm. Goddamn Texas! But then we were doing another pick with GNS uh, recently, and I had all the notes there. I've tasted these barrels now probably almost three times through from other picks, and they would ask me questions about it. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to say much until they're actually tasting it for themselves and get their opinions. Then I'll say like, oh. And t- you guys, we actually tasted some of them on that day. I think there's two left over. And I went back to my notes from February or March, whenever mm. it was. Like, this is what I originally thought. This is kind of where it's a little bit different. Or, hey, it's still tasting the exact same from when I first tried it three months ago. Wonderful. You know, and something I was cynical about tasting for a long time, even in the business. Because you're Scottish. I, probably. Probably. I'm just <laughs> a cynical bastard. Um, but I was super, super cynical about it. And then we actually did a Keen Lake blind tasting recently. And it just... I remember starting in the industry and believing that everybody could taste all these things. And then I went through a period where I was like, mm, not so sure. Now I'm back to believing that people really do taste yeah. these things because we had that blind tasting <laughs> recently and it was on and we didn't say anything. We didn't cue anybody up. There was no power suggestion, no nada. And people were, it was like people were reading off the tasting notes on the bottles. And it wasn't just one bottle. It was like all three of them. That's and like, awesome. I remember during the tasting, like looking over at him, we, we all, just started laughing yeah, because it was us, ridiculous. Yeah. It was absolutely ridiculous. So I think that's yeah. good that you give them the chance because if you trust people enough, hey, they will, they'll pick, they'll pick. Well, and, I mean, your palate's impeccable and, you know, Ken and Kush have been doing this for a hot minute. So it, it wasn't just introducing whiskey to someone who's never tasted yeah. before yeah. so you know that it might hold someone's hand a little bit more if they're not as acclimated to it mm-hmm. but i mean these two they knew what they were doing so just kind of sit back and let them enjoy it and yeah. figure out which one so yeah and it's i always hope too when um buyers are selecting our barrel they have no pre- preconceived notions of what they're going to taste like based on the core products that we already have mm-hmm. out there but I want them to be familiar still with that. So like our baseline is Nova. Your baseline is rye whiskey. It's like, remember what it should resemble still. Because I don't know if you want a barrel necessarily to be way out of left field. It tastes like nothing else you have in your core line of products. Because 
what single barrels should do is invite people into your the core into, range, yeah, your core range into the brand itself and say, I can go to buy anything off the shelf with a Sagamore a label on it and trust that it's going to be tasty and be good. Maybe it's not what I expected, but it's still going to be good at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah, we had that debate with Jamie last time or maybe two times ago when we were here uh, talking. Duffmeister? Yeah, single barrels. <laughs> Um, Not sure that there's, your, there's your new name, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie, uh, Jamie Duffmeister. <laughs> but on, on, as a store owner, what's your responsibility? Is it to, mm. is it if there's a total outlier, should you take it, or do you need to? I mean, I agree. I think most single barrels should enhance and be within the realm of the the core offering. Right. And as a, as a consumer, I think I would hope that like, okay, this is cool. It should taste like Sagamore, but intensified in one direction yeah. or another, but within the same backyard. Mm-hmm. But what if you get one that's from three yards over? Do, do you grab it and, and then like check? You've never had Sagamore taste like this before. Who knows what happened? Mm, yeah. Or are you doing a disservice to 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 yourself and to your customers because it's three yards down and they're like, that's not Sagamore. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, that's a tough one, actually. What are you looking for, Chris, when you're picking single barrels? Just what tastes the best. Yeah. Mm. Honestly, I don't really think about. I don't think about it from the perspective of does it fit within hmm. like that style, mm-hmm. like what I know of the brand that we're picking. Um, I just want to pick what tastes the best that day while we're, while we're doing the tasting, because generally I think that will just, that will appeal to people, mm-hmm. you know, if they're able to taste it. Now I could totally understand why a store would want to pick something that's within sort of the, the boundaries of the profile of the brand because if they're not tasting it out and someone just comes in and knows Sagamore but they're not able to taste the single barrel um, and they're familiar with Sagamore and they buy it and then it's it's you know within the realm of what they're expecting then that's good because yeah. they're going to be satisfied probably Leo's <laughs> will let you you know they'll let you taste these in in the store so. Yeah, I'm still not thinking about that when I'm when I'm mm. picking or when I'm thinking about which one we want to pick. Yeah, J- I'm not thinking. Oh, well, Leo's will allow people to taste this, so we can pick whatever we want. It's just more of is this a really really good barrel? Mm-hmm. So in some aspects, <laughs> I think along that, I agree with that, and in, in in the sort of the depth of it all, my thinking there would be that's why you need someone in your store that has a really great palate, because whether you go with whether it's an enhancement of the range or not if it's just if as long as it's great whiskey mm. then the customer is going to be satisfied and as long as you believe that your core range is great as well the customer is going to come back and be like yeah. oh do you know what maybe maybe these weren't exactly the same flavor profile but they all tasted fucking great right you know and i think that the nature of a single barrel is like someone coming into a store they're not going to buy a single barrel if they're not right. really sort of a pretty big enthusiast into yeah. into whiskey. They're probably going to go to, you know, the standard range if they're really not, you know, I, if it's sure. the first time. Or... Yeah. Or if, you know, I just feel like the, the single barrel is kind of like a ne- the step up for mm-hmm. someone who's like really into whiskey. Hmm. And those are the people that are looking for single barrels. That's what I think. That's just my perspective on people who who buy single barrels it, it seems to be people that are really into whiskey they know what they like or they yeah. you know they're seeking something out that might be a little bit different I've, I've learned a lot of picking single barrels this year with groups from all over the country retailers here in the, in chicago then a couple out of state as well 
And I'm always thinking, since we live in such a bourbon rye enthusiastic market for obvious reasons, living in America, but selling a single malt whiskey, that they want to have something that's going to taste familiar to a bourbon, not necessarily a rye, but it's more of a bourbon quality to it. And then I've come to figure out that a lot of these groups are looking for something that is more along the traditional single malt style versus getting those caramel and marzipan notes to it, brown sugary notes to it, which we definitely have in some of our single barrels. But they're looking for something that's a little more familiar to the brand, not necessarily familiar to their taste buds, which I'm loving to hear how people's taste buds are expanding, their palates are expanding, and they're looking for something different, not just the usual the usual casual shelf taker or whatever popular on Instagram these days. Yeah, yeah they're, they're thinking like, it's almost like, you know, uh, one of your best hitters coming off the bench to pinch hit in the ninth inning. You, you expected them to get a hit. You expect that single barrel to be yeah. awesome as well. Yeah. yeah. But then you have things like, you know, based on contractual obligations, we have to say pinhook at least one time on the podcast, <laughs> that Leo's uh, uh, pinhook um, pick was delicious, but it was something that had to open up. Oh, it was totally. It was so much more heavier in proof. What, like it's 110? It might have been higher than that. It, it, yeah, and yeah. it's so much higher than their usual standard core product. I think I drank all of mine. It's not over there I think anymore. it was 114. Yeah. I think I tried. I think I actually tried that day yeah. that we were both in right. there. Right. And, and it, I totally it, agree. It was something that's so different compared to all the other spirits. And it hits you so hard and so differently that you aren't used to it. But then you let it open up for a week and it changes mm. with it. And it just opens up to a beautiful expression that you usually expect from them. Without that buyer there you're talking about, someone to explain to you what it, what it is, why it's doing this, and just give it a chance. It's hard to sell those products off the shelf. Yeah. For sure. And I would hope that someone that is picking a, a single malt who wouldn't be looking to pick a single malt that tastes like an American whiskey because mm-hmm. why why pick that? I, 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 yeah, I asked the same question. Yeah. I've been getting it though, you know, and I, I wonder with you guys, like are people want something that tastes like the double cast, something that tastes like your core spirit or is it something they want entirely different? When we, when we do tastings, we get asked for a, a double oak barrel. Well, people will buy them sight unseen, untasted, or one of our finished barrels every time. Yeah. I do two, three, four, whatever virtual events. It feels like a week, and they never end. If someone, they're like, especially with the groups, like, can we get a double oak barrel? Yeah, <laughs> can we yeah. get a Calvados barrel? Like, well, if we could get them. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and, well, uh, it's funny because, you know, our Rabuna Alba, which we launched 2019, massive success, which is around there. Yeah, it's just there. Buna Alba, massive success. One of the reasons that everybody loves it is because it tastes like a bourbon. Right. Because it's all bourbon gas. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? Like, it's, it's true. Like, I well, do just lo- buy a bourbon. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it is true. Like- but I, I, I actually love that expression. But I, there is something unique about it, though. It's, yeah. it, it's, it definitely has the bourbon qualities to it. But it is, I think, different enough to be... Yeah. To, to kind of stand stand out. I agree. And marketing was such a big part of that. Having Graham come to the United States to launch that and you hear the personal connection the master distiller yeah. has with that expression, it sells Massive. itself. Yeah, it sells itself. Um, and I think there's, to, to cotton on to that as well and to go back to what we're talking about, having someone that's like, I don't want to say like a professional with the palette that buying for the store, but then it's again coming to this idea that you start to trust that person's palate. You were talking about it earlier, mm-hmm. you know, these store picks, it becomes this thing where you're like, I know this guy's palate. And and whether it's that store or, or down the street, you begin to trust the person that's buying oh, yeah. it. And you begin to trust their flavor, to their like their tasting notes to it. And then you get that loyal customer, right? That like every, t- even when Sagamore maybe doesn't want to do so much of an enhancement, maybe you do want to start to go into the left field, even though I'm going to my right here, yeah. left field, <laughs> then 
Technically, that is left field on a baseball field. If you're oh, well, there you go. I don't know anything about baseball. You were talking about pinch hitters. I was like, no clue. <laughs> um, so anyway, sorry, left field. <laughs> <laughs> so when you do have the, the that whiskey that is going to be a little bit left field, then you know you're going to have that loyal mm. customer base that is going to buy it, yeah. right? Which is, I suppose, at the bottom of the line, that's what these stores are looking for at the end of the day. Yeah. I guess I'm sort of, I guess I'm sort of arguing for the side that would say pick something that's a little bit kind of outside mm-hmm. of of the profile. Um, I think these ones sort of fit that bill. Like these are Sagamore Rise for sure. Um, I think there's qualities that these have that, like if you drink Sagamore Cask Strength, yeah, that are are found in these barrels. But I do think that there's some some stuff in these that's kind of outside of what you would expect to to taste in like the Sagamore Cask Strength um, expression, and I sort of expect that from mm. you know if you're doing a private selection like this, you know you, you I kind of want something that. It should be. It's a little off kilter, maybe from right. from, you know, the the, the brand. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's great. I think it's, it depends on every different club. If it's a club trying to introduce a brand to like majority of the club, so there's 200 people and there's like 15 fr- fans of your uh, fans of your brand in there, and like, hey, we want to sell this barrel. We're gonna sell it by giving them something that's completely different. That's one way to go with it. Or we want to give them something that's somewhat familiar to the core product so they go and buy everything of yours, not just a single barrel from our group. And then if it's a retailer, it depends who's in the in-house, who's who's going to be there on a daily basis to explain these picks to them, explain the brand to them. Or if it's just, hey, we want something completely different. We know our customer base and this will sell well, go for that too. So there's always options out there. It doesn't have to be one thing, but I think that the most important thing to come back is it should enhance the brand overall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Chris hit it nail on the head earlier. You know, a total wine. Okay, maybe you want it within mm. the realm because yeah. there's a different ten people walking that section, right. working that section, two shifts a day all week long. Whereas somewhere where the bottles are open, it's a personal engagement. Hey, I've bought five other barrels from Leo's, so I have an idea of where it is. Let me try it. Then it doesn't matter as much of how close to the core line it is. Yeah, maybe sell more of the the, the yeah. rest of the the product or the the line, but I think. You can you can take that perspective based on who is shopping that versus, you know, if you're a big box person. For uh, sure. Not all. And there's some big box ones that have some great palettes, but uh, Total in particular is one that just makes me think like, hey, we got to get one of these on the shelves yeah. because there's one available for us. It tastes great, but I've got 50 people that need to know what it tastes like to hand sell it, whereas Leo's has two or three right, right. that are going to hand sell all 204 bottles. Right. That's a good point, too. It's a de- Very good point. Yeah, it depends a whole entirely on the size of the store because there's certain chain stores that you have to give them a lot of love to get that barrel off the shelf and then to get more spots on the shelf of your core products too, along with it. So maybe you just said the name, maybe you didn't. I don't know. <laughs> Jess, was there a, Here we go. of the two that were uh, picked, was there one initially that Chris and uh, Ken and Kush liked the most? I remember mm-hmm. liking, I, I liked them both. I was glad you picked these two. Um, these two stood out more than uh, the other two. I don't exactly remember why, because so many drinks later over these months. But the um, the soda pop one was for sure. I remember Chris and I talking about like cherry vanilla kind yeah, of that, waves to it. That was the one that was the for sure okay. barrel. I remember that we left that day. Like we picked that one. Cool. Yeah, and cool then, the sweetness. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then we and you, were. Yeah, you put that as on the lab, as per the label. <laughs> 
Leo's Soda Shop is all natural flavors of cherry vanilla cola, maple <laughs> syrup, mm. cinnamon discs, and chocolate mint chip. Oh, really? baby. Now yes, available yes. at Leo's Mayfair. Yes. There's my Terms commercial plug, right? apply. <laughs> Not available in these three states. <laughs> I remember the uh, candy apple one confused me in a great way about how the nose was so pungent of those apples, mm. but the flavor was Flavored. a little bit different. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's one of those uh, the, the little... I don't know, ninjas, I guess you'd call it, where you think it's going to taste one thing, and Ooh. then when you actually get a taste, you're just like, oh, wow, that's right. the complete opposite. And I get that a lot when I do tastings, just with our brand in general, oh. not necessarily. You know, people see, you know, if you're familiar with our labels, the biggest word on the bottle is rye. <laughs> you know, yeah. people walk by, and they're like, oh, rye, ooh, and you get those people that have maybe tried a very aggressive rye before in the past and they just they automatically decide they don't like rye i'm sure you get that a lot with people with scotch you know and then you have to tell them it tastes like a bourbon and then they'll drink it Mm. and with our mash bill i find myself having that conversation quite a bit i'm like you know we have a little bit of a sweeter finish than traditional rye so you know and i see that people go to take a drink and they're they're apprehensive because it's a rye and then it the taste is completely different than some of the aroma and what they're anticipating and in a good way. And they're just like, wow, this is a really good style of rye. And that's, you know, very traditional what a Maryland style rye is. And same with these, I think a lot of our barrel selects have that quality as to where the aroma is completely different, Mm. but you're then the taste you're actually picking up on. So it's kind of a little tease of the senses. You you get to activate one and then we actually throw it for loop and tastes like a different and, it's it's pretty phenomenal. And as long as it's good, who cares? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I like the teasing it that way with my senses too, to be honest with you. I like one that's a little bit different, but you can find similar nuances of the nose and the palate, but maybe it's not as overwhelming as the nose was. Yeah, and I got the candied apple. I got a lot of that kind of spiced apple mm. flavor to it. And then I think it was, I don't know if it was purely because of that, but then go into the soda shop after mm. I was like, oh my God, this is really sweet. Yeah. You know, and even then it's a rye, right? But I was like, whoa, this is really sweet. Yeah. Like, and I got Coca-Cola. That's what I got. Yep. Just, you know, yep. I was like, yep. whoa. Totally. Does the really key nice. in the lake rating scale, I forget, does it go to five or 10? For 69, what? isn't it? The key, yes. the, the key in the lake uh, rating scale, I'm going to give barrel 61, the, the soda shop, five mm. keys. Mm. And oh. then I'm going to give the uh, like candy that. apple one 4.4. 4. 4. 4. 4. Out oh. of five keys. Our, our new key in the lake. It's, uh, the, it's the new rating system. Yeah. 44 was my football number, so I like it. Yeah. There we go. Uh, we can start doing that, Brett. Yeah. You, you can leave that up on the website. It could be all your project because I have no more time for it. Uh, and, and I did have an offer to propose to you guys, though. Okay. Very scared look on his face. Frightened. Frightened. Well, we still, have to, do the, we still worry. have to do the photo shoot later, so I wasn't starting no, to that's, get worried. It's a whole different story. I was thinking about doing uh, for our next. We are doing. We're doing a virtual tasting for Father's Day on June seventeenth. But I thought maybe we could do a virtual tasting for the Great Holiday, the Fourth of July, and do an American Whiskey Night and see if Sagamore wanted to participate. As you know, the answer is yes. Okay. Well, he's off microphone, ladies and gentlemen. But the answer was yes. <laughs> Okay, I can cover your ass <laughs> if something comes up. Yeah, we're in. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about these barrels? How much are they, by the way, at Leo's? Uh, good question. They are... Let's call it... I think they're about 60, 65 bucks okay. or so before tax. Oh, I could look on the new Leo's website. Yes. Because they uh, do things like that now. And then... The oh, f- yeah, on the website... 
I think on the website they're fifty nine ninety nine. Okay. On the is website that if they drop before your name, before they get tax. The special discount. No, that's that's direct link on the website. We do not have a Kino Lake code for discount code for that yet. Yet, <laughs> someday. Kush now that we've given five like, keys, yes. we might get we yeah. might get discounts. Yeah, I think all in with tax, these are sixty seven ish dollars. Oh, oh there we go. Yeah. We'll, we'll say that. Yeah. yeah. MSRP. MSRP is usually fifty nine ninety nine. Yeah, that's what it is. So he's probably pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, your your barrel picks are like always a very fair price when I see them out on the shelves, which is great because you want to have everybody try them as much as possible to get it there to their usual products. And do we know? If they're moving, you know, are people really getting into them? Well, we actually just, these are fresh, so fresh, so fresh, fresh. They landed oh, on new. Friday. Oh, like, okay. Thursday so not, off we, the truck. We're, we're yet to see. Yes, yes, Thursday off the truck. And we had such, you know, we I actually did a tasting out there on Friday. And the weather was just so horrific. And everyone was getting out of town for the holiday and whatnot. But, you know, locked and loaded. They're right when you walk in. There's a couple of cases of uh, each barrel select there. So um, we'll check in. In a couple of weeks, see how it's going. But right now, I think, you know, it's just so new. Like, it is yeah. literally just landed. Yeah. So. It is uh, $59.99 before tax. So yeah. get it while it's hot. Yep, get yeah. it while it's hot. How many bottles did each barrel yield? Yeah, 204 bottles, 34 cases. I missed that. Sorry. Uh, maybe I did. As I was looking at it up. 204. So, mm-hmm. yes, all friends of Key in the Lake, there's... 400 bottles of whiskey available for you to buy so please and do you don't, have to, you don't have to just buy one either guys right. come on There's, right. there are two barrels here reach out to anybody here and we'll direct you in the right way to get your hands on one if you need to yeah i think the the last point to add on it is that they are available to taste so, so yes. don't be shy 60 dollars is a lot of money um mm-hmm. for anybody i think especially on a on a still pretty young brand so if you're in the store um, th- there's plenty of opportunity to cha- taste it. Maybe make sure you taste it so you can taste it twice. Don't go off with just one sip. Make sure it hits your palate two times um, and, and make a purchase with confidence. Um, we don't want anyone taking something home that's not for them. So I think that's important to note that uh, they are there to try. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a great point because I think all the barrel picks are usually there open to try. And if not, they'll probably open one for you. Cause I've seen that happen before as well. Maybe I personally experienced it. <laughs> um, anything else about second more we need to know coming up here in the near future? Yeah, I think the uh, with Chris being here, a good thing to talk about. He will be a judge in our Central Cocktail oh. Showdown. Voting oh. is open now. Oh. SagamoreSpirit.com forward slash showdown. Um, for the central states, we've already had a West winner out of Seattle. I apologize. I don't remember his name. Um, but we have eight or nine um, entries available to vote for through June 7th. Uh, on the website, and then Chris will be one of three judges um, for the Central Showdown on June 16th, hosted by uh, Chris Hart out of the Houston Whiskey Society. There's a Houston and, and what, do, Society. what do the winners win? What is the big prize? Here? So the winner here, I believe it's $500 and a trip to Baltimore to fin- to compete in the final. So we'll have a West Can we enter? Central. Say, should we do a Keen Lake, a last yeah. minute Keen Lake contest? <laughs> uh, so Both we'll have five keys. Uh, West, Central, and East uh, winner. And then we'll have a showdown, hopefully, um, as, as the distillery starts to open up again um, in Baltimore in September, and that person wins a, a bigger, a, a more grander prize. Um, Is this virtual? Yeah. So it'll be on Instagram and Facebook Live and, and all of our social channels That's live cool. on June 16th. You can vote up until, I believe, June 7th on the website, sagamorespirit.com. Are they voting mostly on presentation then? 
Yeah, so it's it's tricky being virtual uh, yeah. that it's it's going to be hard to taste, but the ingredients are listed. The the, the oh, that's great. Are listed. Yeah, um, some of it will be appearance. I mean, some of it might just be popularity contest if if you got enough people to drive if, you to if vote you've for. You've got it. the clout. Let's go. Yeah, um, and we then should, when we we should enter this bad boy. We, I mean, uh, we are central entries are closed, but as a future New York resident. Maybe you can open up for the East. I'm going to New York this weekend. <laughs> sign up. We sign go, up. There. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know. We know one of the judges. Right? <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is working, man. But then, uh, when we get to the final three, the, all the judges will be making the cocktails um, as we go along with it. That's and cool. Tasting it. And, it's a great idea. Way um, of doing it. Chris Hart and it's Houston. I always confuse if it's Houston Houston Whiskey Society or Houston Bourbon. He's gonna kill me. Build his I know. And then He's April, uh, April from there. Sagamore, <laughs> down in Houston. So they'll all be drinking along, and uh, and then so the judges will be judging off of taste. Yes, and I am very much looking forward to that. And thank you guys for inviting me to for participate. Yeah, yeah, we're pumped. So you're gonna have your mixology hats on. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Brilliant. But outside of that, no, our tequila finish is on shelves, oh, um, is. which was pretty fun. I think we tried that here anniversary night. Oh, we tried a lot. Of we tried a lot. Of I sat in a cake. I sat in a cake. Oh, wow. <laughs> we all sat in some so, cake. Um, limited, uh, pretty much through the distributor, but uh, that's our that was our latest uh, release after the Manhattan finish. Six to eight-year-old extra Nejo barrels mm. from Elisco. We don't know where, uh, but someone pretty reputable. They started with Independence Dave. Uh, most saw two to three turns uh, 98 proof it's really fun if, oh, it's, if, it's great yeah it's uh, delicious if you don't like tequila don't be scared um there's a little bit of that fresh agave saline on the back kind of, that i like a lot but it's a, it's a citrus palm mm-hmm. a lot of honey on it a little nectar yeah absolutely uh, it's like the perfect summer sipper mm. yeah. make a highball with that guy Ooh. that's what i've i've, I've i do with q the- soda grapefruit Oh, grapefruit Topo Chico. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. love those Topo Chicos. The green bottles, baby. The topos. <laughs> who'd, you, who'd you take first, McDonald's or Topo Chico as a sponsor? Um, I, I neither. I take High Life. Where are you? Yeah, where, where are you? High Life. Come where are you? High Life. Mm. <laughs> Especially after this weekend, watching the Champions League, sitting out on a on our, our good friend Andy's deck. Yep. Just smashing back High Lifes and watching Chelsea uh, win the Champions League. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Matt, Summer that, in Chicago, except, man. Except for that part. Like. Except for it. Chelsea winning this championship. That was the only bad downfall. <laughs> Could have been worse. Could it? Could have been Manchester City. But don't they just Could play again United. next week in some other championship or some <laughs> other tournament? Probably. I think yeah. so. Probably. <laughs> Probably, Brett. Probably. Like, it never ends. They just keep playing. And it's called the Euro Championship. Sure. And then it's the London Championship, and then it's above 48th Street Championship. Above 48th Street. Well, that's a new one. Made by that me. up, but that sounds like a street in London. Scotland just released their song, their official song for the Euro Championship. So I will have no slander um, today. It is T minus seventeen days until we play the old enemy, England. Any I'll be there in a Scottish kit with my three lions heart. We have, uh, we actually have that the Keen Lake blind taste the night before. So I'm going to have to take it very easy because I'm going to have to get mm. up early. I'm going to have to be ready. I'm going to have to be mentally prepared. I'm going to have to do like an hour of meditation beforehand. Did you see DCL picking those jerseys out? Mm. Mm. Got it. Mm. Wonderful day. Well, um, thanks for the soccer recap. No problem. Appreciate has to, that. Has to have them weekly. Thanks for the second more recap. Yeah. We hit on Pinwood. Do we do my um, American single malt five minutes now? <laughs> <laughs> Bonus pod. Something, something strong hands. <laughs> If you if you hang on after the music, Brett will give you a spiel about American single malts. Please go ahead. I don't have a spiel. I'm just just <laughs> remain fascinated. And we were talking about how people are asking for single malt flavors, and I still don't. 
have my head wrapped around American single malts. So it's just always something I like to bring up. Well, um, that didn't go five minutes, <laughs> so we are going to put that before well, the music. Someone else would chime in. Well, I've taken Interlude. a deep dive in, into I, it you recently. You have, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's many good ones. There's many good ones. And it's a category that's super exciting, I think. I want to take a trip through Texas and go explore their single malts and then go up in the Northwest. So I'm looking at looking at this Westford bottle, friend of the podcast. Um Go up there, try things, try things through California as well. This is all, you know, a dream world I live in. But to do that and see the differences of how the effect of terroir and weather really come into play in creating single malls as they're trying to draft laws that would make it the same way to barrel age and distill their uh, their spirits. But to see how the effects of weather and terroir can completely change that. Just take six months off work, yeah, to do that. <laughs> Are you funding that? I am not funding that. Can't even fund myself at the moment. Mm, well, until loosely, next time. There'll be loosely defined rules on purpose to make it very inclusive, but that makes it also tougher. Yeah, things that we've had I mean, many of a, conversation about. That's a rum mistake. If so a rum mistake? Well, with I mean, rum, yeah. I think... It's the next big thing, baby. It has been my whole entire career. I was going to say, for the last 15 years, they've yeah. been saying that. Apparently. But the lack of definition is part of the reasons that I the think Kurt's rum, where I think I like the lack or the loose definitions on American single malts to, to allow everybody to make one. Hence my fascination, though, is that going to hurt people? Like, are we going to see American single malt festivals just so you can try everything you just wanted to try, but in one spot? Like, I'm down. Anyway. I couldn't come on the podcast and not ask about American single malt. Well, the next thing, after American Whiskey Night, let's do an American single malt night, baby. Yes. Are you funding that? Nope. Oh. Can't well. even fund myself. Oh, wait, I said that already. Darn it. <laughs> Darn it. Well, second more folks, Chris, Callum, Jake, thanks for hanging out today. Love you guys. Thank you very thanks much. for coming over. Cheers. Oh, Cheers. What, what a wonderful Cheers. afternoon. Cheers. Should I tear for Everton, Carlo Ancelotti. Goodbye. <laughs>